Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. We are in week three of The Next Right Thing. We're continuing this series we've been in for a few weeks. And this morning, I want to kick off with sharing with you one of the more pervasive, kind of influential philosophies or thoughts of our day about heaven. We're going to start off with this. And that is the idea that so many people believe good people go to heaven. Now, maybe you have believed this, or maybe it is kind of something you have seen in your friends and family, and it's not even just that Christians go to heaven, it's the good Christians. It's the good Jews are going to go to heaven, good Muslims, good Hindus, Catholics, Buddhists, and any other religious category, as long as they're good, just simply by them being good, they make it into heaven. And because that many people believe this idea is something we really need to pause and talk about. And Jesus gives us sort of the next right thing when we begin to be approached by this idea. And what is the problem with it, right? Even many Christians have adopted this view that good people go to heaven. Now let me ask you this, just this is a personal question for you. If we were to sit, uh, you know, sit down, have a cup of coffee, cross the table, and I were to ask you, are you going to heaven? What would your response be? Uh, if you had time to really think about it, what would you say your response to be? You might say, and this is actually very common, a lot of people would say it this way, you might say, well, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, and I try to live a good life. I feel like I'm a good person, like I'm trying to be a good person, Well, I'm trying to be a good spouse, I'm trying to be a good parent, I'm trying to be a good employee or employer, uh, you know, and we always kind of throw in, but I'm not perfect, we feel like we need to say that, right, just in case you thought I was, right, or just in case you thought I thought I was, right, can we just like all take a deep breath and say, Oh, nobody's perfect, right? We don't have to assume that we think we're perfect or somebody else is perfect, but we always feel like we need to say that. But I'm not perfect, but I'm trying, I'm trying. Now, it's interesting that even Christian people, this is very, very, very popular, very pervasive. Why is it that we need, we feel like we need to attach our beliefs to our good deeds? Like, we, he, yeah, here's what I believe, but also let me show you what I do. Like, I've been, I've been a pretty good guy. I've been a pretty good girl. Like, I'm, look at what I'm doing, right? Well, what's interesting here that we do this because deep down we believe, maybe on some level, and, and maybe even unconsciously, some level, that good people go to heaven. Now, we think that, um, we tend to think that, I, you know, I'm not the best person, I'm not the worst person that I know, but, you know, I think I'm going to make it. I'm probably going to make it in. And why is that? Because we, back in the back of our mind, we think good people go to heaven, right? And you know why you and I, or many people, tend to really like that philosophy? It's because you're pretty good people, aren't you? I mean, come on, it's Time Change Sunday, and you're in church. Like, 
you're pretty good people. It's like, like you got like God had on account for something, right? Like I'm trying down here. I'm trying. It's, it's really interesting that good people rarely are willing to admit that, hey, you know, there is a heaven, good people are going, and I'm not one of them, all right? I mean, who wants to admit that? What's interesting is that even in a Time magazine survey that they published, they said that 87% of Americans believe in heaven, and what was equally shocking about this is almost the exact same percentage of people said, and I'm going. Isn't that interesting? that 100%, nearly 100% of the 87% of Americans that say they believe in, in heaven are going. <laughs> According to them, they're going. That's interesting. So we have to pause and ask the question, even if this is not something you have really thought about a whole lot, why is this view, why is this view so attractive to so many people? It really tends to pull people in and we don't even realize that it's happening sometimes and part of the reason is the reason it's so attractive it seems consistent with a good god with the idea of a good god if there is a good god in heaven it should just stand to reason he's going to fill it with good people right like that just seems to be like airtight logic that many people are so airtight that people rarely ever question this view it's just something you'll see in movies and books, pervasive magazines. You'll see this across the board. Just accepted by culture. Good people go to heaven. And many of you on some level may have also adopted this into your own worldview, your own personal philosophy, theology of the world. And you, or you know somebody who has adopted this. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to take the next few minutes and talk about three problems with this view that good people go to heaven okay it's so pervasive it's so accepted but there are some big problems with it let's talk about it here's the first big problem there is no clear standard of good or bad by which we can check our progress right if good is what gets us in then how good is good enough right Right? We're all willing to accept the fact that, hey, if eternity for all of us hinges on being good, and we would agree, hey, God is good, well, I don't think it's out of the, the realm of expectation to say, well, then God kind of owes it to us to tell us how good is good enough. Like, what is the cutoff? Where are we? How, do we know? We even know what, what, how good is good enough. And for many people, when they start to think about this, like what is good, what is, how, how do they make it, and how do they measure it, many people will say, well, I try to live according to the Bible, right? I'm trying to live my life according to what the Bible says. Well, let me just quickly say, I don't know if you've looked at the Bible lately. That's a joke, okay? But <laughs> it's a very big and dense book, for most of us, depending on what kind of Bible you have, it's well over a thousand pages of a lot of information. So what most people really mean when they say, I'm trying to live according to the Bible, they, they really mean, I'm trying to live according to the Ten Commandments, right? Trying to live according to the Ten Commandments. So what we need to do is take a step back and say, what does the Bible itself say about our attempt at trying to live according to the law of the Bible? according to the commandments of the Bible. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, the book of Romans chapter three, 
verse 23, here's what Paul says about living, how good people can be when it comes to living according to the law. If you would, let's read the highlighted words together. For all, that includes everybody, right? I think we can all agree. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the perfection, the holiness of God, his flawless laws. Like everybody, all have sinned. Paul's saying, make no mistake, everybody falls short. And then same chapter, verse 10, here's what he says. There is no one righteous, not even one. Not one person is made righteous or right before God by trying to keep the law. Interesting. So, Paul, if you're going to make these big, grandiose claims, why do we even have the law? Like, what is the point of the law? Nobody can keep the law. Nobody can be good enough. And if you really look at the Ten Commandments, he's saying every single person has broken not just a few, but all ten. All right? You've either broken them in your heart, in your mind, with your actions, with your decisions, with your, your impulses, with your desires. You've broken them. We all have. He's, he's putting himself in the same category. Same chapter, chapter 3, verse 20 now. Why do we have the law, Paul? He says this. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous by, in his sight by observing the law. Rather, so he's going to tell us what the law is all about. Through the law, we become conscious of sin, where we have missed the mark with God. We have fallen short of his glorious standard, to his, what he has called us to do. So what Paul is helping us to see here is that God did not give us the law. He didn't hand us the law to say, now get out there and try to impress me so I'll let you into heaven, all right? That is not the point of the law. As a matter of fact, he says this is gonna be very sobering and hopefully humbling to some of you, but the law was given so that you will see your need for a savior, so that you will need, see your need for God himself, that we fall short of his holiness and because of that, we need forgiveness, and the only one that can extend the forgiveness to us is the one we, to which we have offended. We have, we have fallen short. We need forgiveness from God himself. And what's interesting is that sometimes this completely gets missed. And if, if you're, if Paul really is trying to help us to see that if your standard for right and wrong is this book, it's the commandments of God, you just need to know this standard is way too high. Nobody is this good. Nobody makes it if that is what you're trying to do. If you're trying to get in on your own merit by trying to be good, you don't make it. You don't make it. Everybody fails. Nowhere in the Bible, Old or New Testament, is there a correlation being made that if you keep all the commandments, you make it into heaven. As a matter of fact, the opposite is made. No one can make it. So there is another rescue mission that God is going to have to provide. There's another way that will have to be provided for us to get into heaven. So no one makes it that way. Um, so here's the second problem with um, good people go to heaven. What percentage? So if we would say perfect people, only perfect people make it in and nobody's perfect, then okay, we're all gonna fall short, right? Then what percentage, what percentage of our actions must be good? 
Like, is it just as long as you got a little bit more good than you do bad? Like, if you got, like, 50.1% good and 49.9% bad, like, all right, you just barely made it. Get it on in here, you rascal, you know? <laughs> is that how it's going to work in heaven? No, right? Or is it, or is it like, um, you know, like the school system? As long as you get 70%, you're passing, you know? <laughs> like, is that, is that, maybe that's where the school got it, you know? Like, it's the same as heaven. We just, you know, no. But what I'm, my point is that this goal of what percentage of your actions have to be good is literally left up to just human opinion, which is worth nothing. It doesn't matter how smart the person's opinion is, they're not the access point for heaven because heaven doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. And God is the one who says how, in, in, which, in what way, in which um, behavior or action or what what is going to be required of people to be able to get into our uh, to his heaven into his heaven right to be honest if this standard right if this standard that we were talking about um, if this is your standard I should say then you have no earthly idea whether you're in good standing or bad standing with God you don't know where you stand with God now let me just ask you this, are you willing to pin your entire eternity on this, this idea that good people go to heaven? One of the best analogies I could give you for pinning your hopes on that at the end of your life, it'd be like if a teacher comes out at the beginning of the semester, or professor, right, comes out at the beginning of the semester and says, okay, this is gonna be an interesting class because we're only gonna have one test. It's gonna be at the very end. It's gonna be a final exam, and that's it. It's a pass-fail. So, you know, you wanna do well on that, that final exam, but also, I'm not gonna see you until that day, okay? So, thanks for coming today. Good luck, everybody. See you at the final exam. The students would be looking around like, wait a minute, no notes? Nope. No textbooks? Nothing to read? Nope. Nothing. Nobody who's gone before us that can give us some hints, some, some, some insights, and it, nope, nothing. You mean you're going to cover all this stuff that we have, you're going you're gonna to test us on all this stuff we've never covered before? Yep, absolutely, good luck. Some of you are going to enjoy it during the semester. It's going to be a little rough at the end, but good luck, right? That would be a horrible way to test people, but that is where you're left with good people go to heaven. I would just say that if you believe, you know, and many people do, that they push back on Christianity and say, you know what, I have a hard time accepting Christianity because it feels exclusive. It feels like it's leaving people out because some people have not heard. Let me just say, if you're embracing good people go to heaven, you have all of the same problems but no answers. At least Christianity offers some concrete answers for how to answer those questions now here's the third problem with good people go to heaven it makes a liar out of jesus christ right makes a liar out of jesus i want us to look together at matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 now you've known through the next right thing this whole series we've been working our way through matthew chapter 7 so we're going to pick up where we left off last week's verses 13 this has all been kind of a setup for this matthew 13 and 14 but here's what jesus says in the middle of his sermon and i'd like you to read these highlighted words with me he says 
you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell, by the way, not just a lyric of an ACDC song, okay? Highway to hell is broad, right? And its gate is wide. Kind of harkens back to the, um, the, 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 the survey we looked in the Time magazine, right? Its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now, Jesus here is helping us to understand something that is contradictory, not just to all the religious leaders of his day, but all the religious leaders who have ever lived, who have ever spoken. Jesus is showing us there is a whole different approach to the kingdom of heaven, and many people miss it. Many people miss it. What Jesus is showing us here is that bad people, what we would consider bad, they have not kept all the rules, they have blown it. Bad people can go to heaven, and good people that look like they've got it all together might not. They might not go. So what in the world is the standard? In Jesus' day, there was a religious group It was known as the Pharisees. And their job title, their job description was to be as moral and as good of a law keeper as a person could be. They were 100% committed to keeping the Old Testament law. And they were absolutely praised and applauded by the culture. Like these people are so incredibly moral, they're amazing. And not only did they want that praise from other people, and by the way, they wanted it from people, but they also wanted it from God. And by the way, when Jesus, back up at the very beginning of chapter 7 of Matthew, when he talks about judging, you remember the week we talked about the judgmental and the judge chair and not being condemning and looking down your nose? He's totally talking about the Pharisees. They might have been keeping all the laws, but they were so judgmental. They were so condemning. They were looking down their nose at everybody else. So yeah, we keep the rules because we're so much better than the rest of you turkeys, right? And and like, we're so good. And they wanted that. They wanted not only applause of people like you're so moral and amazing, but also they're thinking when God's Messiah shows up, he's gonna be so impressed with us, he's gonna give us cuts in the front of the line. He's gonna let us be right up here close to him. He's gonna bless us, give us favor that he's not gonna give anybody else. That's what they're hoping. It's a very selfish way to, to, in the guise of serving God, they were really doing it for themselves. And, and what was really interesting here is that when all that's going on, the ironic comment of Jesus about those Pharisees and those teachers of the law, he gives us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, here's what he says. He says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Like, unless you're way better than these guys, you will certainly, let's say it together, not enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Can you imagine? The people in Jesus' audience that's listening to the sermon, their eyes would have been as big as saucers thinking, are you kidding me, Jesus? Wait a minute. These guys are as good as, they, as, as we, any of us get. They are the best of every bit of us. You know, like, how are you saying they're not going to make it? How could a person make it? There's no way we could make it. And Jesus' point is that nobody makes it by going that way. But rather, Jesus 
I mean, this is just so mind-boggling. His approach was so much different. He would come up to famous sinners, people that had royally blown it, and publicly everybody knew about it, and he would say, you are forgiven. What? You're just going to forgive that guy just like that? And there were other times he spent so much time with sinners, so much time with the down and out, the people that nobody else wanted to spend time with, that those same people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, gave him a title, a moniker. It was a put down in their mind. Jesus wore it like a badge of honor. Friend of sinners. He spent so much time with, he loved them because these were the people who were willing to say, I see my need for God, right? What, is, is, is what Jesus is trying to show us here, he's trying to show us what is that next right thing. When we're trying to think about good people going to heaven and how good do we have to be good, what percentage, like Jesus is saying, listen, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus did not teach that good people go to heaven. Jesus taught that forgiven people go to heaven. This is so fundamentally different than even our culture today. You would think, oh my goodness, we're so much more progressive, we're so much smarter, we're so much collectively have so much more intelligence, but we're still caught in the same deception and lie today in the 21st century as they were in the first century. And I hope that today we can begin to help you to break out of that. And the way that we get forgiven the way that Jesus taught us to get forgiven is that we throw ourselves at the feet of the one who offers forgiveness, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who claimed to be the Son of God, did miracles time after time, multiple, multiple times, says, I'm going to die, I will raise from the dead, and then he pulls it off, and he says, and that was for all of your sins. And wasn't dying for my sin. He had no sin. He was dying in our place. He resurrects from the dead so that there's a chance for you and me to be able to be forgiven because we can't live up. We all fall short. We need his help. We need his forgiveness. We need his saving grace in our life. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the narrow way. It is the narrow entrance into the kingdom of God. It's beginning to understand, I can't get there without you, Jesus. I can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everyone, I love this, let's say it together, one, two, three, everyone, that's everyone, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They get in. The doors of heaven are open to you. Forgiveness is extended. You get a chance at eternal life and it can't ever be taken away. In other words, everyone is welcome. Everyone, everyone. And right before the cross, Jesus is talking to his followers. This is in John chapter 14, verse six, a verse that some of you may be well acquainted with. Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's say it together. No one comes to the Father except through me. It was Jesus' way of saying, there is no other way to heaven but me. There is no other way to heaven but me. That, that you may think this is exclusive, it's not. 
It's just specific. And isn't that true of every relationship? Even with other people, there are specific things that make that relationship possible. Jesus is simply just showing you how the, the specifics that make the relationship with God possible. You don't just pick however you want to do it. God's saying, I want you to learn that you can celebrate, worship me, and be so excited that there is a way to heaven and not be upset that there isn't more ways. But Jesus is saying, I am the way. In other words, everyone gets in the same way. Everyone gets in. It's not exclusive. It's just specific. That's right. And then finally, maybe one of the most famous verses in the New Testament, you see it at almost every public sporting event, John 3.16. And here Jesus tells us this. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes whoever believes and this word believes means to put complete trust in whoever believes in him him who jesus in him shall not perish but have eternal life wow this is this is incredible that jesus is opening up he's saying everybody can meet the requirements even little children it doesn't matter. Like, you don't have a, deep, have a deep intellect to say, I trust Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And he says, you shall have eternal life. This is how it works. Can you think of anything more fair, clear, and just than that? That's God's way. And he opens his way up to you. It is the narrow way because you have to trust the forgiveness given through Jesus and that it is in Christ alone and in his grace extended to us alone that we get salvation, that we get access to God and heaven into his kingdom. Now here's a, a very personal question, but I want you to really think deeply about it. Have you placed trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? <clears throat> Today, could you honestly say, yes, I am wholeheartedly trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of my sins? And that I don't worry about whether I'm going to heaven or not. I have like settled that. I have confidence. I have contentment and peace in my heart. I know that's where I'm going. Because my suspicion is, and I have heard it from many, 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 many of you, it is a nagging concern. It constantly weighs on you. It, it constantly, you're questioning, am I going to make it? Am I okay? Am I going to heaven? I don't know. It is not up to you. Jesus has already done it for you. You see, this is the thing that makes Christianity stand complete in stark contrast to every other world religion. Every other world religion spells salvation or some way access to God, D-O, to do. You have to do something. You have to keep on doing it in hopes that maybe someday you'll have done enough that God will let you in. But Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's already done. You see, we begin from a place of victory. You, you begin from a place of, 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 of accomplishment that you are already, you are coming from a place of acceptance, of love. You are already adopted into the family. That's where you begin the relationship. You don't work until you hope that someday you'll get it. What a relief, right? Now let me just say, in just a moment, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. If you would honestly have to say, listen, I have not done that, Will. 
not to any sufficient degree, like I'm still questioning, I still doubt, I still wonder all the time. I want to be able to help you leave here with confidence today. But let me just say this before we pray. Simply praying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. It is trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of sins. It is claiming him as your king, your Lord. That's what makes you a child of God. Please forgive my sins. I'm accepting what you did on the cross for me. And also, I want to follow you. This is what Jesus constantly, he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. This is not ever intended for us to just, oh, I prayed, got my fire insurance, right? When I die, I'm not going to hell. I'm good. Jesus is like, no, I want this to be a daily walk. I want this to be, you trust me every day and stop falling back into that old sin and letting it snare you and, and, and choke the life out of you. Some of you are feeling that you're choking, it's choking the life out of you. It's time for you to experience the abundant life that Jesus intended for you. Trusting him for the forgiveness of sins and be the Lord of your life. And if you're ready to do that, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. And here's the prayer. I'm going to give it to you. This is the application of what we're talking about today. It's literally saying, Lord Jesus, please forgive me completely of all my sin, right? I want to follow you as my king from now on. I choose the narrow way. I choose that today. I choose your forgiveness, your leadership. Would you bow with me right now in prayer? With eyes closed, heads bowed all across the room, would you just pray with me? Right now, there are those of you in the room that would honestly say, Will, I have question marks in my mind. I have not nailed down this issue about my eternal destiny. And I want to leave here today with confidence. I want to know that I have done what God has provided for me to be a part of his family and spend eternity with him. And that I can begin to experience his kingdom even now, right now in this life. If that is the desire of your heart all across this room and those of you joining online, would you just pray right where you sit? You say, I've never really done this. I've never really understood this till today. Would you just pray right now? Would you just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. God, I need you. Is there a part of your heart that is yearning for God? I need you, God. He has provided a way for you to be forgiven through his son, Jesus, who, by the way, is God in the flesh. Would you just accept his forgiveness that he offers from the cross? Just say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sin. I'm trusting you. You died on the cross and shed your blood, buried into the ground, resurrected from the dead on the third day. That was for me. And I'm just now really getting it. That is my gateway. That is the narrow way to heaven. <clears throat> I say, yes, God. Forgive me. Be my Lord. I follow you. I follow you. Right now, if you just ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sin and be the one who you are going to follow, and you really mean, this is the first time it's really made sense. You're nailing it down today. Would you just lift your hand? I'd love to pray for you right now on the floor, the balcony, indicate online. God bless you, ma'am, right here in the middle. I see you, sweetheart, right there. Right back over here, I see you, sir, on the back row. I see you right there. 
Anybody else? God bless you, sir. Right here, I see you. Right over here. God bless you, brother. I see you. Praise God for you, man. Right up here in the very top on the right-hand side in the balcony. God bless you right there. Right back down here. Thank you so much. Open up your heart. I know this is, this is a huge step of faith. It can be scary sometimes, but it is the greatest step of faith you will ever make. It is the greatest decision you will ever make. It is God's way into his family. It is God's way into eternal life, into heaven, and it can begin right here, right now in his kingdom. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you for those who are giving their lives to you. This is something only you can do, that only your Holy Spirit can do. And I pray that those of you who are giving your life to Christ today, you would, you would share that with somebody today. God, will you help them to share that with somebody that will celebrate? And if you don't know anybody that will celebrate, go by the Welcome Center. We will celebrate with you today. We praise God for the new life you are pouring into this place and into these lives. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayer. Thank you for saving lives. And help us to begin to share this information, this knowledge, the saving knowledge of you with others. We pray all of it in the incredible name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.